Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Bob Salter. Hopefully you are well. Here we are in the middle of the month of July. (laughs) Summer's moving along. Hopefully you're having a nice weekend too. We have a very busy program today. And I like when that happens. Because we're going to share some good information with you both hours of our program today. I'm very pleased to say that uh, joining us in the first hour of our program this morning is Miriam Heyman. Uh, Miriam has an interesting uh, background. Uh, she is a program officer of the Rutterman Family Foundation, which we're going to find out about in the course of our discussion. Uh, By the way, there's an interesting uh, website at RuttermanFoundation.org where you can get information on some of the things we're going to talk about in the course of our discussion. First of all, good morning. Welcome to our program, Miriam. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. How do you explain, first of all, what the foundation is? Sure. So the Ruderman Family Foundation invests in disability inclusion throughout all sectors of society. So we promote disability inclusion in employment, in schools, in faith-based communities, etc. Um, we work across all different disability categories, and we work internationally. And we accomplish our goals of disability inclusion through both programs and advocacy. So an example of our recent advocacy work, we spoke out about um, an able-bodied actor, Alex, Alec Baldwin, being cast in the main role in the movie Blind. Um, it turns out that in Hollywood, 95% of characters with disabilities are played by actors who do not themselves have disabilities. Um, so we seek to raise public awareness about issues such as that. Okay. I want to come back to that in just a little bit, but let me also ask you, uh, you know, in trying to set the stage for our discussion today, talking about the foundation, how did the foundation start? So our president, Jay Ruderman, um, is back. He's a lawyer by training, and he sees people with disabilities as representing um, a segregated class. They're segregated politically, economically, socially. Um, for example, 70% of people with disabilities in this country are unemployed. Um, and we at the foundation, we see that as a civil rights issue. So, um, you know, we don't see inclusion as an act of charity, but really as an issue of social justice and civil rights. 
All right. Now let's go back to what you just mentioned, because this probably piqued a lot of people's uh, interest when talking about um, the situation with Alec Baldwin and this role and this idea of um, those who are able-bodied um, playing roles of people with mm-hmm. disabilities. Okay, It's something mm-hmm. that probably a lot of people who are able-bodied never give a second thought to. Mm-hmm. Um, so two thoughts come to mind immediately. Number one, what was the reaction when the foundation raised concerns? And then number two, which is the bigger issue, I think, of how do we go about, I guess, changing attitudes? Sure. So I think, um, you know, I think you're right that um, it's an issue that most people don't think about. But I think that once it's brought to people's attention, it it does resonate with them. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a long time ago, white actors used to play black characters in Hollywood. um, And that was viewed as normal. And we're trying to raise the issue of disability exclusion to that level so that people do think twice about it and, and see the, the inconsistency. Um, you know, and, and we did get a mixed reaction, and um, we all believe that Alec Baldwin is a great actor, so nothing against him personally. But I think that the issue is just not on the forefront of people's mind, and, and the foundation works very actively to, to change that. Um, and I think um, your second question about how do, we, how do we make this change, I think, bringing public attention is is really an an important key. So um, we've released white papers on several topics. In order to to raise this awareness, for example, the link between police brutality, for example, has gotten a lot of attention generally in the media recently, especially the link between police brutality and race. What's not spoken about is that the majority of people who are killed by police have disabilities, including invisible disabilities. that's just something that's very important to educate the public about so that change can be made. Okay, that idea, and I'm glad you used the term invisible disabilities, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. once again, you know, you get into an area where most people who are able-bodied probably would never give a second thought to this idea. When you use that term invisible disabilities, what are we talking about? Um, it can be a number of things, including mental illness. Um, I think that's that's what's most often linked with the term invisible disabilities. Okay, and when we talk about mental illness, are we talking about this with adults? Are we talking about this with children or both or just what? Both, yeah, absolutely. Um, so mental illness, here's a, another interesting fact, the... Um, after the onset of mental illness, whether it's depression or anxiety or, or anything else, it takes on average people 10 years to access treatment for that illness, I think, because because of stigma surrounding it. So people aren't educated, people aren't aware, perhaps, that they have mental illness, they don't know how to access services, or they're afraid to, to access services because of this large societal stigma around these issues. So how do we get them past that fear? I think people speaking out about mental illness um, is is an important step, and, and that relates to this Hollywood question as well. So um, when there are more 
first of all, characters with disabilities and, and when those characters are played by actual actors with disabilities. Um, you know, Hollywood sends very powerful messages to the public and, and, I, and absolutely will influence behavior change. You know, the fact that it's 2017 and, you know, we're still dealing with some of these things, it, it almost seems amazing. Is it mm-hmm. at times, um, for lack of a better term, frustrating when you you were having to deal with things that some people might think should have been dealt with 10 or 15 years ago? Sure, absolutely. Um yeah, you know, I, I can't think of a concrete example of that, but, you know, at times it's amazing that we are still having these these conversations. And, you know, for example, I think I mentioned that the unemployment rate in this country is for people with disabilities is still 70%. Um, that's more than 25 years after the passage of the Americans with Disabilities Act. And the fact that the unemployment rate is still so high really is staggering and, and frustrating. You know, and the other aspect of that is, um, you know, it's it's frustrating, but it's also outrageous. Mm-hmm. I mean, that an unemployment rate for any segment of the society is 70 percent. Yep. Something's wrong. Something's, Something's very seriously wrong. wrong. Yep. And that's, um, that's sort of where we get our philosophy that this is a civil rights issue, um, so, you know, we don't see ourselves as doing as doing charity, but rather as correcting a fundamental civil rights violation. Now, in terms of the people who are doing the work of the foundation, are you based in just in this part of the country? Do you do work in other parts of the country or just what? So we are an international foundation. We have offices in Boston, New York, and Israel, mm-hmm. and our programs span all across the world, all across the country and all across the world. That's a lot of area to yeah. cover <laughs> and potentially yeah. a lot of people to be affected and potentially impacted. Absolutely. Um, and it sounds like that would also be a quite the task to keep on top of people who need help. Yes, absolutely. We're very busy. <laughs> How do people come to you? Um, so we work with organizations. Um, we reach out to organizations that are leaders in their fields, whatever fields that might be. Um, and, we seek to infuse disability inclusion work into into what those organizations are already doing. So we look for the most impactful um, businesses, service providers, you name it, that are um, making a change in whatever they're doing, not necessarily related to disability inclusion. And we approach them. We say, you know, you clearly have a lot of influence in your sector. Um, let's work together to make sure that you're also including people with disabilities who um, can make a very significant contribution to your field, whatever field that might be, if given the opportunity for participation. 
Okay, there's a lot more to get to in our discussion. We've really just started to broach some of the topics we're going to be exploring with Miriam Heyman this hour of our program on The Fan. Miriam is a program officer with the Ruderman Family Foundation. Ruderman Foundation, that's all as one word, .org, the website. There's a lot of information there as well, and we're going to talk about a number of other things I want to get into when we come uh, continue in our discussion, talking about the um, play uh, program, P-L-A-Y, um, which I think some of the people listening to us are going to be very interested in as well. It is Sunday morning on The Fan. Good morning, everybody. I'm Bob Salter. We're in discussion with Miriam Heyman on our program. Miriam is a program officer of the Ruderman Family Foundation. She is talking with us in this hour of our program, and we really have just started in talking about the foundation's work. When we talk about the work of the foundation, one of the things I wanted to touch upon, because I think this will interest a lot of the people listening to our discussion today here on The Fan, to talk about the Play campaign. That's P L A Y. It's an acronym. Would you explain what that is? Sure. Yeah. So the Play campaign is a partnership with the Professional Baseball Athletic Trainer Society, or PBATS. Um, and what the campaign is is it promotes um, healthy lifestyles for kids across the country through athletic events on major league in major league ballparks across the country, and they are fully inclusive athletic events, so they include people with and without disabilities, children with and without disabilities. Um, and we chose to work with PBATS on this play program because um, it fully includes children with disabilities, so um, they're, they're playing sports, athletic activities with other kids, that kids with disabilities are not um, cast as heroes, nor are they sort of mascots or on the sidelines in any way. It's fully inclusive, and it's a good example for how things should be done. Well, you know, that's an interesting point, that last thing that you just said of, yes, that is an example for how things should be done. And, <laughs> you know, for many of us who are, um, I'll use the phrase more seasoned, in other words, older, um, <laughs> you know, we came along at a time when this sort of thing just never would have been thought of. But again, it seems like such common sense, doesn't it? It does. And, you know, I think things are changing in that respect. So kids today do go to school um, with kids with disabilities in their class as, you know, as their classmates. I think schools are more inclusive. So I think, um, you know, the, the kids that are growing up today, they're their perception of for how things should be done and how things should be done normally on an everyday basis is changing. But you're right, that takes time. So what then, how do you say that, or how would you say this campaign makes things different in terms of a sports program than other sports programs that kids are involved in? Well, so... Um, you know, first of all, as I said, the kids are fully included. There's no major modifications. Mm -hmm. um, they're integrated seamlessly um, and and fully. And then it's against the backdrop of baseball, which is um, America's pastime. So um, more people go to baseball games than um, any other 
professional sports in America. And baseball throughout its history has shown that it's not about what you can't do. It's, it's about what you can. Baseball has a sort of a moral authority to speak to these issues. Um, Jim Abbott, for example, was a major league pitcher who um, won almost 100 games, and he was born with only one hand. And I think that um, with the backdrop of baseball, people are very receptive to this message. Early on in our discussion, you mentioned about the offices of the Ruderman Foundation, Mm -hmm. and you talked about the fact there's an office in Israel. Mm-hmm. Some people may have been surprised to hear New York, Boston, and Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the situation like for people with disabilities in Israel? I think that it's similar to how it is here in that, um, you know, there's historic exclusion, but the the tides are, are changing, um, you know, through, through work such as this that um, – that provides, you know, a program and activity, but that also, perhaps even more importantly, um, provides a, a message to the broader American public, and in that case, the Israeli public. And the receptiveness in Israel to the campaign to include people? Oh, they um, in Israel, people have been amazingly receptive. We just the foundation just sponsored Marley Matlin, who's an Academy Award-winning actress who is also deaf. Um, we just sponsored her to to go visit Israel, um, and um, she appeared in, in several events. She met thousands of people over the course of her week or so that she was there, and um, it was a wonderful series of events. And the public was. Um, so enthusiastic about meeting her and about her message of disability inclusion. Now, in terms of the play campaign that we were talking about a couple of moments ago, how is this um, working this year in terms of the ballparks? Sure. So it is going to be at 10 major league ballparks across America. The first event will be in Pittsburgh on Tuesday the 18th, and then it'll be followed by nine more events, mostly in in August. Um, and then, you know, so the full thrust of these programs, though, is, is the media campaign that um, – that these programs, the media attention that these programs will generate. So the ultimate goal of the play campaign extends way beyond the specific events at ballparks and is really the goal is to do nothing less than change America's perception about the value of people with disabilities. Um, so, for example, we're working with the United States Department of Labor to send information about this campaign to hundreds of thousands of businesses across the country to to provide them with a message of inclusion and also confidence of people with disabilities, and hopefully that will begin to push the needle in the unemployment rate of people with disabilities. How is that message being delivered? Through um, video segments that will be created at these at these play events. Mm-hmm. So in other words, in, in a way, you're also using social media. 
Exactly. Oh, yeah, we have a very large social media presence, our foundation does, and all of the partners that we work with, we, we strongly encourage to um, have a strong social media as presence as well, um, and, and this program is no exception to that. You know, Miriam, as I was sitting here, I was thinking to myself, social media, first of all, is exceptionally powerful, mm-hmm. and in this case, definitely can be a tool that could be used in aiding getting the message out or messages out for people who are listening to our discussion today who they're touched by some of the things that you are saying, whether Mm -hmm. they themselves um, are people with disabilities or they know someone or related to someone. Some of the people who are listening will think, well, wait a minute, what could I do? to make a difference. Mm -hmm. What would you say to them? Well, I'm going to back up just a second. You you said, you know, for the people who are listening who um, have a disability or who know someone who has a disability, I haven't said yet that 20% of the world's population and 20% of America's population has a disability. So I would venture to say that every single person listening today either has a disability or or knows somebody who has a disability. and in, in terms of what they can do, I mean, I think it it depends on sort of where they have, you know, what they do in their lives and where they have influence. A good place to start for um, employers, for example, is to make sure that job announcements are posted in the most accessible way as possible, and, and you know, you can even send job announcements to groups that serve people with disabilities so that people with disabilities know about your job openings and are um, therefore then more likely to apply. I mean, I think that, you know, the specific steps depend on on where you work and what you do and what you're trying to include people with disabilities in. But, you know, we always say it's all about the mindset. It's all about um, being as welcoming and as open to all as possible. and, And small steps can make a very big difference. So, you know, if, if you run a, a program or a school or, or whatever, um, just have information about who somebody can contact if they need accommodations. The reality is you might not be able to provide every single accommodation that, that someone might request, but to have the information available of here's who to talk to to make that request, that sends a message that, that you are doing your best, that you see this as an important issue and, and that you want to be as welcoming as you possibly can be. Um, we also urge all of our partners, whether they run a school or a camp or a synagogue or whatever, um, to include pe- pictures of people with disabilities in their marketing materials. Um, that sends a very big message of, of welcoming and acceptance. And all of these things are very small action steps um, that can make a big difference. What is the work that is being done with the National Down Syndrome Society? Sure. So they are sending children with Down syndrome to these play events at the major league stadiums. Um, so children with Down syndrome who who have been connected with the National Down, Down Syndrome Society will be at these play events um, playing alongside kids without disabilities. And that can send a very strong message right there. Absolutely. Just, you know, just the images of kids playing together um, as equals 
sends a very strong message to the American public. Um, and specifically, we're hoping to employers will, will receive this message of, of confidence and um, be more open to hiring people with disabilities. Okay, there's lots of thoughts that are going through my head at this time. One of them goes back to something that you mentioned earlier when you mentioned the Americans with Disabilities Act, mm-hmm. which was passed, I think it was back in 1990, mm-hmm. which it is amazing to think that was more than a quarter of a century ago. Yep. It seems like it was just yesterday, <laughs> literally. Um, do you think we need a further step legislatively, or is that not the right approach in terms of promoting access for people with disabilities? Yeah, so um, that's a very strong piece of legislation in, in terms of, you know, if we just think about employment. Mm-hmm. Um, it requires employers to provide reasonable accommodations for their employees with disabilities. And, you know, the definition of what is and is not a reasonable accommodation is complex and depends on, in part, the financial capability of the employer. Um, That's a very strong piece of legislation, but I think um, what's missing is that people with disabilities aren't necessarily getting in the door in the first place for an interview. Um, So it's the Americans with Disabilities Act makes it illegal to discriminate on the basis of disability. So if a person can complete the essential function of a job, it is illegal for the employer to not hire that person because they have a disability. Um, And, you know, what is an essential function? I use the example of, of a teacher sometimes. So a teacher has to be able to communicate with his or her students and, and their parents. That's the essential function of that teacher's job. Um, if so a teacher's disability makes it so that that teacher can't make photocopies. Somebody else in the school building could reason- reasonably take on that responsibility of making photocopies. Um, I would not consider photocopying an essential function of a job. So the ADA makes it illegal to not hire someone who can complete the essential functions of his or her job because of their disability. But again, why aren't people getting in the door for those jobs in the first place? Radio.com. It is Sunday morning on The Fan. Good morning, everybody. This is Bob Salter. We're in discussion with Miriam Heyman on our program. Miriam Miriam is a program officer with the Ruderman Family Foundation, and she's talking with us this hour of our program. We're talking to a large extent about the topic of disability inclusion, and um, there's a lot of different areas where we can go in this discussion. One of the things we haven't done, and... I'm always intrigued uh, by the possibility associated with this. Mm-hmm. What I'm going to do here is I'm going to open up the phones here at uh, WFAN because sometimes our listeners take us in directions that I may not think of. They may have things that they want to add into this discussion to 877-337-6666 is our number here at the fan. One of the thoughts that I had goes back to something that you alluded to earlier and is something that is mentioned on your website. The website, by the way, is Ruderman Foundation. That's all as one word, dot O-R-G. You talked about white paper. There are a number of white papers that the foundation produces 
Why are those so important to the foundation's work? White papers are a tool that we use to raise awareness about many of the um, current issues in, in the field of disability inclusion. So, for example, the white, the white paper on the intersection between um, police brutality and disability, we released a white paper on voting accessibility or lack thereof, which is actually um, especially problematic we found here in, in Massachusetts because so many polling places are in old buildings such as churches, which churches, by the way, are exempt from the requirements of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Um, so white papers have been, have been tools that we use to um, bring public attention and, and really outrage to these issues. Wait a minute. I didn't know that. Churches are exempt from the provisions yes. of the ADA? Many religious organizations are, are exempt, yes. I had no idea of that. Yes. Um, they're older buildings. They're, they're often not physically accessible for people with disabilities. And that doesn't mean that, I mean, many, many religious organizations have taken it upon themselves to become more inclusive. Um, but yeah, they're, they're exempt. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of places will put in um, ramps um, or various other uh, approaches, again, to make the facilities try to make them accessible for anybody who wants to come in. I mean, that's kind of the idea, you would think. Yes, um, many people do. And, and again, you know, we really we talk about inclusion as um, being much more than a ramp. So um, ramps are great, mm-hmm. but really inclusion is about a welcoming atmosphere um, that, that people can accomplish with very little money. Okay, so let's talk about that idea mm-hmm. of the welcoming atmosphere because the ramp can be one thing and you can physically get in the door, but then you got to deal with the attitude of people. Yep. Which I guess goes back to what we started talking about here, which is the whole idea of how do we go about changing societal attitudes? Yeah, well, we talk a lot about... Um, the vital contributions that people with disabilities make to our society, um, and including religious organizations. So um, from the perspective of employment, 70% of people with disabilities are unemployed. 20% of Americans have disabilities. We cannot afford to continue in this way. People with disabilities can and need to make a contribution to our workforce. And in fact, Studies have shown that hiring people with disabilities is good for the bottom line of companies. People with disabilities have lower rates of turnover and have been shown to increase morale in corporations of various sizes. So in terms of changing attitude, we really inspire business leaders to think about what inclusive hiring can do for their bottom line, and there are numbers that that back up these claims. Um, And in terms of religious organizations, we think about – disability inclusion really as essential to the continuity of these organizations. So I think there's been a, a decline in, in sort of community participation in general in America over recent decades. And when we exclude 20% of our population, we're really fueling that decline. The Ruderman Inclusion Summit is an event that's taking place a little later this year in Boston. What is that? Yes. Yes, so thank you for mentioning that. 
the Ruderman Inclusion Summit will bring together um, a thousand disability advocates from all sectors of society. So, um, advocates from the business sector, from the educational sector, um, from from religious organizations to talk about the most innovative and cutting edge solutions to to disability inclusion. Um, it is open to anybody who's interested in, in attending. So absolutely go to our, our website, um, rudermanfoundation.org, or for information about the summit in particular, inclusion2017.org. Does the foundation get involved in um, working with legislators? We are not... Um, Political, so mm-hmm. um, we we can't do any any lobbying work, um, yeah. So not directly. Okay. And my reason for asking that question is, um, I guess, in a way, kind of going back to where I was starting to go with the um, question about the Americans with Disabilities Act. Mm-hmm. And the the question really is, do you think we need more? Legislation? Do we need something that puts stronger teeth into the idea of promoting access? So I think, you know, today what we need to do is protect the legislation that's that we currently have. Um, Medicaid, for example, offers vital services to people with disabilities, and Medicaid offers community supports to support people to live and work in the community. Um, and without those vital services, um, many people would, would lose access to medical services that literally they depend on for life. Um, but also it's through the Medicaid supports that, that we've been able to close down the institutions and to bring people into the community. Um, Living, supporting people to live in the community is not only a, a better way to go about doing things, it's also cheaper than supporting these institutions, which are basically holding grounds, segregated holding grounds for people with disabilities. So it's, it's better and cheaper to support people in the community, and, and we have to work hard to make sure that people retain access to those critical services. In uh, this area, at times... People have dealt with the idea when they've tried to cite um, community uh, housing mm-hmm. uh, initiatives. In various areas, they've dealt with the not-in-my-backyard uh, syndrome. People mm-hmm. saying that that sort of facility is going to bring down property values, um, the people are going to be, and they make all kinds of different arguments. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we get past that? Well, so um, first, the, the type of community housing that I'm describing is not necessarily within a facility. In fact, ideally, it's, it's in an independent house, apartment with whatever supports people need, um, so whether it's somebody who comes to, to visit them or whatever. Um, so when I talk about community living, I'm not necessarily talking about facilities. But um, to get at, at your question, you know, I think all of these issues link together. So 
if kids aren't seeing characters and actors with disabilities on their TV screens, if the people that Hollywood chooses for them to idolize don't have disabilities, that perpetuates um, the un- the unknown and, and stigma and fear. So I think, um, you know, it, it starts big. It, it's, you know, Hollywood is a, is a key piece of that. And there is change, as I mentioned before, as kids are now attending school and classes with kids with disabilities. I think that will be also a major turning point in the issue that you're describing. We're talking with Miriam Heyman on our program on the fan. She's a program officer with the Ruderman Family Foundation, and she is our guest this hour of our program. WFAN's toll-free line, 877-337-6666. It's brought to you by Mohegan Sun, Connecticut, Mohegan Sun, Pocono, and Resorts, Atlantic City. What I said we would do is try to include some thoughts from some of the folks who are listening to us as well. Um, you know, your thoughts on this idea of disability inclusion, some of the things that Miriam has raised. Let's go to the phone. Let's go first over to... Um, State of New Jersey. Let's head over to Lefty in uh, Bayonne, uh, New Jersey. Lefty, good morning. Thanks for holding on. Welcome to the fan. Good morning. There's a big problem in Bayonne. There are steps everywhere. We went up and down Broadway with a wheelchair, and we made videos about this, and we showed how a person in a wheelchair cannot get into literally half of the businesses in Bayonne, even pharmacies, doctor's offices. So we got so mad after making all these videos in Bayonne. It's called the, it's called the Ignorance is No Excuse Tour. And we found a lot of ignorance in Bayonne. We went to our assemblywoman in Jersey City, Assemblywoman Angela McKnight, to ask her for help. And sure enough, her government office had a step, and Michelle in a wheelchair wow. could not get into this office and that we pay for as taxpayers. Wow. Uh, it's shocking to me. Thank you yeah. for, for covering the subject. All right, Miriam, I'm going to let you respond to um, Lefty's comments. Yes, and unfortunately, that's still the case, I think, in, in many communities. It's shocking and frustrating. Um, and, you know, you mentioned businesses. I think we just have to express to these businesses that by being exclusive, they are by not being inclusive, by being exclusive, they are missing out on customers. So, you know, again, we're not talking about doing people a favor by allowing them to access your business. We're talking about what's good for the bottom line of your business and for society as a whole. We can't afford to continue to exclude this population in, in the way that we've been doing. So thank you for your comments. But, you know, it's talk about the great irony there. You know, you have a, a legislator that they're going to appeal to for help. Mm-hmm. And again, there's an impediment to even getting in the door for somebody who's in a wheelchair mm-hmm. to the legislator's office. I mean, what kind of message is that sending? Yeah, absolutely. It's a message of exclusion. Absolutely. And, you know, it goes back to what I said earlier. You know, there's a lot of advances that are made, but it seems almost like there's a number of steps taken forward, but then there's almost at times like an equal number heading in the exact opposite direction. Mm-hmm. And that's got to be frustrating. It is frustrating. And, you know, I thank the caller for his effort. Um, and, you know, I would encourage um, him to just get the word out. So he made this video campaign. I, you know, I hope it's 
on social media somewhere. People need to see this and, and be appropriately outraged by this. Now, for people who are listening to this discussion today, um, Miriam, Mm-hmm. They want to be supportive of the efforts of the foundation. Um, again, some people were touched by some of the things that you've shared with us. What steps can they take? And also, I'm going to let you give the uh, web address. What sort of things can they do on the web? Sure. So absolutely visit our website, rudermanfoundation.org. You'll have links to our white papers and also to our blog, which um, chronicles sort of innovative and cutting-edge approaches to inclusion. Check out our summit website as well. We'd love to see you all in November here in Boston. The summit website is inclusion2017.org. And in terms of steps that you can take, I mean, I would say educate yourself and... um, and, you know, it's, it's all about the mindset. Think about little things that you can do to make your home or your business more welcoming, and the rest will follow. And when you say that, you know, my mind starts thinking, okay, well, right, what steps can I do? What steps can I take? And, you know, you then start kind of a chain reaction. Absolutely. And, you know, People with disabilities themselves obviously need to be involved in these conversations. Of course. Um, They know best what um, accommodations and and supports they might need. Um, And just make sure that you're hearing their voice in, you know, wherever your your world is. Make sure that you're um, reaching out to them and and asking them, what do you need to access my business or my services or or whatever? Um, And I think they better um, than I will, will tell you the place to start. I want to thank you very much for being kind with your time, joining us on our program and sharing your information. I know that what you've shared with us has touched an awful lot of people. Certainly good luck with the work of the foundation. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Miriam Heyman, who's a program officer with the Ruderman Family Foundation, our guest this first hour of our program, rudermanfoundation.org, the website. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.